So the title of this message might be a, a, a bit provocative for some Pākehā pastors and, and leaders that are, are listening to this, but that's good, because I want to get everyone's attention to what I believe God is saying in the church right now. First of all, what, does, what do the scriptures say about God's heart? Look at Genesis 18, 17, 17 to 18. Should I hide my plans from Abraham, the Lord asked? For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. So God's heart is towards all the nations, not just Israel, although Israel is very important to God. And he has a heart towards the Jews that's very special and very precious to him. But he also has a heart for all the nations. Look at Genesis 26, 2-4. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, And through your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And to top it off, God said it a third time. This time it was to Jacob. Remember Jacob had a dream? And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. So there's the Lord's heart towards the Jews, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. To all nations and to all families. So God who came to earth in the form of Jesus the Messiah said, Matthew 28, 18-20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God also knew, of course, what people groups would make up those nations. He knew who was going to live in New Zealand. From one man, Acts 17, 26 to 27 says, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand where they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. Not up to the United Nations to determine the boundaries of Israel. It's up to God. He determines the boundaries. He determines the boundaries that, that are around New Zealand. His purpose was for the nations. This is scripture. This isn't me speaking. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And let's drill it down even further from nations to, to families. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world, 
that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, and that means you and me, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's the heart of God, is it not? And we can all know the heart of God. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I can see some sinners at the back. I can see some sinners in the front. Put up your hands if you're a sinner. Born again. That means that God loves you. And we also know Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus when you turn to him. You know, about two years ago, I read a prophecy through my emails, and I get lots of them from the Elijah list and, and wherever. Most of them I glance at and then delete if they're talking about the prosperity of America or something or other. I just don't, I'm not interested. But one just jumped out to me. I couldn't stop reading it. Unfortunately, I didn't save it. And I, said, I, don't know, I don't know where it is, but this is what it said. My spirit jumped when I read it. It said something to the effect that the next move of God in New Zealand would start first with Maori and with women. And when I read that, that was a revelation to me. Why, is the, why would revival start with Maori? They've already had fantastic revivals over the years. Isn't it our turn? But that's what the Lord said. The next move of God is going to start with Maori and it's going to start with women. And then I observed the rise of the Pacific Pearls movement, which was founded by Stephanie Harawera, where, as some of you know, a team of Maori women are conducting worship and testimony meetings, or hui's, sometimes two or three times a month, sometime, somewhere around New Zealand. And the Pacific Pearls Hui at Waitangi last year was very significant, I believe. Some of us were there. It was the first time there'd ever been a church or a hahi on the marae in over 50 years. That's significant. I believe something broke in the heavenlies. Something happened over New Zealand up at Waitangi. We could feel it in our spirit that something had happened. And Jan, my precious wife, had a word in her head all the way driving up from Stephanie Harawera's place to, to home one day. And it was one flame to 18. One flame to 18. Folks, something's going to happen this year and it's happened in the heavenlies. And I believe it's God making a call. And just recently we've seen a mainly Maori men's movement spread throughout the North Island and even across to Aussie and Tonga called Man Up which is a brotherhood of men who've come out of gangs, addictions and domestic violence to be able to testify to the changing power of Jesus Christ. We didn't know much about them. They came out of Destiny Church. I've never been a fan of Destiny Church particularly, but I heard the testimonies up at Tinapai of these people who had come to talk about uh, Man Up and Legacy, and they had the Holy Spirit all over them. 
It's a mighty, mighty uh, move of God. Do you know that at their convention last year or the year before, I'm not sure when it was, there was 10,000 men. 10,000. Is that not God raising up Maori? I believe he is, and that's what I think we're seeing. And of course, he's doing the same with Legacy, which is a sister of Man Up. Then last year, last May, I heard David Dishroon speak. He's a co-pastor at Change Point Church in Tauranga. Very well-known speaker. And he was speaking at the Northland Leaders meeting at Mariwa on grace and truth. And the fact that the Lord had been telling him that the Lord wanted him to build the kingdom of God and not his own church. Right at the end, he related an incident where the Holy Spirit interrupted his thought patterns. He had been at a YWAM induction service in Tauranga. And the son of a very prominent Kamatua, Monty O'Hear, was speaking. Anyone heard of Monty? Monty O'Hear? He was a mighty man of God. Very well known in Maoridom and the Maori party. But he was one of those leaders of the Christian movement among, among Maori. And the stuffed newspaper says a gentle giant, a huge loss when he died a few years ago. And his son was speaking about the vision that Monty always carried with him, which was that one day Maori would return to the Lord. It was a big vision. Why do they need to return to the Lord? Why do any of us need to turn to the Lord? Because in the 1800s, the gospel went through the country and many, many tribes turned to Jesus and followed Jesus. But what's the situation now? Do you know that this month there are more people in prison than has ever been in prison in New Zealand? 10,000. They've only got 300 beds left. The majority of those in prison are Maori. The majority of the Maori are Ngāpui. Where's Ngāpui tribe? That's Northland. The majority of Māori in prison are Ngāpui. Why is that? They were the first to receive the gospel. Ngāpui brought the gospel to New Zealand by bringing Samuel Marsden here. There'll be many reasons. One of the main reasons will be because of generational iniquity. and the worship of other gods, and ancestry worship. And many Maori, I'm talking corporately, don't know the living Jesus Christ who loves them and wants them back. And that's his vision. That, that was Monty O'Hara's vision. But David heard the Lord speak to him and said, David, your vision is that Maori would come to your church and do things your way. David said it was a shock to his system to receive that rebuke. 
And he's now come to believe that it is the Lord's desire to see Pākehā partner with the Holy Spirit to encourage Māori to reach out to their own people in their own ways and see Māori return to the Lord. Once again, my spirit witnessed within me that this is what the Lord is doing in our country right now. In fact, David said, in a sense, Pākehā are on hold until the Lord completes what he is doing with Māori. David's message was recorded at Mariwa, and we put it on our website. You can go and listen to it. It's called The Tension of Mystery at wildsideministries.com. So where am I going with all this? Is it true that God has a heart towards Maori at this time? And why? We know he loves every one of us, every race and every colour. And I praise God that I attend Ruawai Community Church, where everyone is made to feel welcome. Maori, Tongan, Colombian, even Australians. We've got some seats at the back for any Aussies that come. Ghanaian. And no doubt there's some Irish or, or Scottish extraction folk here. Everyone is welcome at Ruawai Community Church. You know, without doubt, God has a plan for New Zealand. Look at Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Where are the uttermost parts of the earth, for heaven's sake, from Jerusalem? That's New Zealand. For a couple of years now, I've had this impression that God is doing something new in New Zealand, and Maori will play a very significant part. Now, many Christian Maori leaders already know this. Norm MacLeod is raising up a five-fold ministry among Maori. There's a network of 15 pastors in Northland that are all Maori, Richard Nahi and Tony Martin and others. Something new is happening. I think it's exciting. Many pastors and of some churches are simply unaware that God is doing something new. And I believe we need to stop, pray and listen to God. I like what one of my favourite Bible teachers says, David Pawson. If you see the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing, put up your sails. If the Holy Spirit is moving through Maori at the moment, put up your sails. We're not going to become Maori, we with Pak- who are Pākehā, although I'm also Naitahu. Ha-ha. <laughs> And uh, Mary don't have to become Pākehā. We have to see what God is doing. So I've deliberately sought to read some books on the history of God's relationship and dealings with Mary, and I've been doing this for about six months, a year. I've been gathering the books. I haven't been reading them, but I've been gathering the books. So I thought, well, with this message coming up, I better do something about it. And one I tracked down was, Like Them That Dream. The Maori and the Old Testament by Bronwyn Elsmer. 
and she's a recognised authority on Maori religions and early spiritual reaction with Christianity. She's also the author of another book I haven't got called Mana from Heaven, a century of Maori prophets in New Zealand. Now in this book, like them that dream, and you can get that from uh, uh, Amazon or Kindle, Bronwyn traces the arrival of, of the European missionaries in New Zealand in the early 19th century and the immense impact on Maori society, good and bad. She also records the many diverse movements that sprung up over the years where Christianity was mixed with Maori beliefs and there was much confusion sometimes with who Jesus Christ really was and the need to follow him and not the religious leader of the movement. Many movements that have started up were started up by men who were convinced that the gospel was true. But over the years they added to it different things and then people started to worship them instead of the Christ. Isn't that just like Satan? To come in and just move to the left, move to the right. You know, in many cases... The, the missionaries who genuinely loved and cared for the Maori people were undone by the disgraceful behaviour of other Europeans. Bronwyn records that the early traders and whalers often perpetrated acts of cruelty, injustice and violence on Maori. In fact, Samuel Marsden, who had an incredible love for Maori, wrote that he reflected with pain, grief and shame upon the crimes of his countrymen who by their wanton atrocities spread war, misery and death. You know, there are many books tracing Christian revival among Maori, and you can read those for yourselves if you're interested. For example, in some areas like Tauranga, for example, in the early 1800s, up to 70% of Maori had been converted to Christianity and were going to churches on Sunday. More Maori going to church than Pākehā. And this was repeated in many areas. No wonder the Lord wants to call them, call them back to himself. So what does God think of all this? The things that have happened. Does he really care about what happened in the past? Well, hold on to your seats, friends, because God is saying what he thinks and what he's calling his people to do about it. If you haven't read um, Mark Holloway's book, Cry the Wounded Land, and we talked about, we sung about God wanting to heal the land today, didn't we? Cry the Wounded Land, conversations with God about Maori, Pākehā and the land. He, of course, wrote the book um, Freedom Diaries, biggest selling book in New Zealand. I would say this is probably going to become the second conversations that Mark had with God. And it's available at Christian bookstores or Amazon or Kindle. And in the foreword, Bradford Harmy, who is a Maori, prominent Maori author and speaker, says, a white man who doesn't want to talk about the bloody history of this country discovers to his horror that God does. I thank Mark for being brave enough to publish this dangerous conversation. David Garrett, 
who is a Pākehā, and you'll know him from being the co-founder of Scripture and Song, Christian songwriter. He wrote a foreword as well. And he says, when I first read the conversations that Mark had with God about Maori Pākehā relationships, I was a little shocked. God had been speaking to me for almost 30 years about this, and now the same subject, and especially about the land, was being revealed to a man who didn't even want to know about it. For those listening to this message overseas, and I know there are many of you, Pākehā is a colloquial term for a New Zealander of European descent. As you may know from Mark's book, Freedom Diary, he asks God's questions and then he writes down the answers. And his new book started when he was driving along the road and he heard the Lord say to him, Mark, walk gently on the land. Mark, walk gently on the land. You know, you need to read his book. It's alarming. But I'm only going to give you a tiny foretaste of what God said to him. And you have to decide whether he was imagining it or whether he heard God. For instance, in one of the stories, Mark had been driving, he stopped at a picnic area and went up to a monument to have a look at what it said, as you do. On one side it said, Riwi Maniapotu. That's all. Just the name. But on the other side it said all about how the British forces under Cameron had fought a great battle there. And he wondered, why is it all about Cameron on one side and just the, the name of a Maori chief on the other? So he googled it up and he found out the true story. And the Lord encouraged him to write about it, told him to write about it. In essence, a few days after the British surrounded the pa at uh, Arakau, which is near Te Awamutu, the Maori, including um, a lot of women and children, left the pa. They didn't come out and attack the British soldiers, they just left. But the British, instead of letting them go, pursued them with a hail of bullets and chased and bayoneted them to death, including the women as they lay wounded. It was a massacre. And it's written up in our history books as a great battle for heaven's sake. It's a lie. And there were many such horrific incidents. I'm not going to go into those. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about what does God think and what is God saying. Now Mark said to the Lord, oh, is this more about repentance the Lord replied to him, no, this is different. Repentance is, not, repentance is not the original reason I called your people to this land. I want you to go back to the beginning to learn why you were brought here. What you are meant to learn. You thought you came here of your own design, Pākehā. But actually you were called here by me. Remember the scripture talking about boundaries? But you never knew that because you didn't know how to listen and that's still the problem for most. Mark replied, really? What were we meant to learn? God replied to him, to walk gently on the land. But instead you came and trampled over it, killing its inhabitants in order to steal their land. Later in the book, Mark writes that God said to him, I brought Maori and Pākehā together to fight a common enemy, not to fight each other. Mark, your enemy is afraid of Maori and Pākehā together. 
so he has kept you apart because when two brothers fight against a common foe, first one brother leads and then the other and so on. Respect and might carry in the battle. Mark, everyone knows that Maori and Pākehā fighting together are an indomitable force feared by many armies down through the country, which you'll know about from Anzac. But the reason I brought you together was to fight an invisible army. <clears throat> so that when we pray with Adelaide, who is an intercessor, there is great power happening because that's in God's will for Pākehā and Māori to pray together and to intercede together. But don't get me wrong, it wasn't all bad in the past. Jan Pendergrass from New Zealand Christian Writer sent me a book this week. It's her new historical novelette called Ruatara, The Gateway of the Gospel. This has just been published and you can get copies direct from your nearest Christian bookshop or the author direct, Jan Pendergrast, G-R-A-S-T at gmail.com. So I've really learned about Ruatara this week. This is, of course, the story of Ruatara, who was Napui. He was a chief in the Bay of Islands. Samuel Marsden found him near to death on a convict ship where he'd been dumped. He was trying to get to England, but he was sick and he got dumped on a convict ship going back to Australia. And Samuel cared for him on his farm at Parramatta in Sydney. Later, he helped Ruatara to introduce European agricultural skills to the Rangiora Pa, Rangihura Pa, and Ruatara was the catalyst to bring Samuel Marsden to New Zealand and organised the meeting where the gospel was first preached at Marsden Point. Jan Prendergast writes that the gospel of Jesus Christ brought peace between many tribes, a peace also facilitated by the successful introduction of wheat and vegetable crops. Then I was given a book by sort of a bit of an odd fellow, really. His name's Ian Sharpland, who's going to get up out of his seat and start walking down here so he can pick up the mic because I'm wanting him to read because I just saw him sneak into the church. Ian Sharpland wrote this amazing book called The Jewel in the Sea, an inspirational narrative of the founding of New Zealand. It also tells the story of Ruatara and Samuel Marsden the, and how the gospel of Christ came to New Zealand and over a couple of centuries how it helped thousands of Maori and Pākehā to know the truth that God changes life. It's an absolutely delightful book. It's all written in poetry and I've never read a poetry book in my life but I couldn't put this down. And it tells stories of forgiveness that came to different tribes who read the Maori trans the Bible translated into Maori, and in the last chapter, there are some relevant thoughts that I would like Ian to share. You wrote it, you read it. Welcome, Ian. There it is, that one through to there. <clears throat> Kia ora. It's wrong to presuppose that just because a man is brown or black or white or pink or green or red, that he is this or that. Men get put in boxes after they are dead and gone. 
putting them in boxes while they're still alive is wrong. If you label someone, you just label you as well. It's a box you can't get out of and soon you both will smell. Labels keep us separate, but only in our mind. Think of him then as a friend and you'll get on just fine. West coast sand is black with iron ore, the east coast white. And you can get steel from the west sand if you do it right. The white sand brings the tourists and they come here in their throngs. The steel is used to make the ships to bring the tourists on. Both sides work together well. God's clever, don't you think? Both sands protect our precious jewel set here in the drink. Fighting over differences for years just brought us death. If we'd continued down that path, there would be no one left. The great ones in our history learned how to forgive. Bringing love and truth to man, the finest way to live. Forgiveness opened up the door to set our people free. Let none of us forget the price it cost for you and me. Yes, freedom always has its price. And thank God we are free. Free now to live and love as friends on this jewel in the sea. Praise God. Thank you, Ian. So how do, we how do we conclude? What is the Lord saying to Real Way Community Church? Well, I believe that what he's saying is, I'm very pleased with you, Real Way Community Church. You're standing behind Paul and Adelaide Raho, who are doing Man Up and Legacy. You're standing behind Maxine, who's running a women's group. You're standing behind Kiriti, who's running a marriage seminar. Maori are very, very welcome in this church. And yet I believe that throughout the nation, because many Maori don't go to church, I had a call from Tony Martin, Maori pastor in Hokianga, who said, Ray, why are Maori not coming to church? It's because I believe that Maori need to go and meet Maori on the marais, wherever they are, their way, and preach the same message that we have to preach to ourselves. And that's repentance from sin and turning and following Jesus Christ. You know, there are four downward paths, Bill Sabritsky puts in his notes. The first one is pride. The second is rebellion. The third is deception. And the fourth is perversion. Whole races go down the wrong path. Brown and white go down the wrong path. This nation 
needs to repent for its sin of pride, of rebellion, of deception, and of all kinds of perversion. We need to choose to follow Christ who's coming. Christ is coming. Let's just pray. Father, I bless the Maori nation. I bless the Pakiha nation. I bless every immigrant that's ever come to New Zealand. I bless them because you have brought them here. Because you love us. You know the boundaries. Father, help us to see what you are doing and get in behind what you are doing so that, Lord Jesus, we will all be ready for when you come. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.